Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Welcome to the Cricket Collective once more. This week I've got two of the greatest fast bowlers, not just of the modern era, but any era. Both former world number ones, boasting 556 test wickets between them. And oddly, you may think, given the importance of being mean and nasty in their former professions, two of the most generous, giving and empathetic people I've ever worked with. Fortunately, I've only worked with them off the field and never had the misfortune of sampling their work on it. So welcome, Alan Donald and Steve Harmison. Look, we've got to start um, with the topic that's obviously affecting the whole world. So uh, if you could give us a picture, a verbal picture of, of where you're locking down and, and do you have a routine? Are you, are you, um, are you managing to fill the day, Al? Um, yeah, look, it's, it, it is what it is. Um, it, I mean, it's, the, the, this, this whole thing is bigger than, than any game can possibly be. Um, and, and how, how dangerous and how has it affected a lot of people um, globally, you know. So it's, it's now bordering on imprisonment, never mind lockdown, um, because, you know, we find something to do. Me and my wife are on the, on the roof today painting the, border, painting the borders of our house. Then I've cut the lawn about 45 times in about six weeks. Um, so... Um, and, and also just a lot of planning, busy with a lot of planning for the, for the new season now as head coach of the BK, BKB Knights. So, um, you know, it gives me a lot of, uh, a lot of focus to, to get things done and get things into place for the new, uh, the new summer coming. So, look, um, we, we are, we're quite fortunate, uh, I think, with, with South Africa and um, I think the, the very strictness of our lockdown um, has has really opened up my my mind and scope on other things and and this this will change things forever there 's no question about it how we do things how we move forward from now on in 
um, it, it, it eventually when it gets better, um, I think already um, it's shown us that there, there will be a massive change in the way our behaviours will be. So I think, uh, yeah, as, 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 as horrible as it is, there's lockdown and, and as, as, as aggressive this virus is, um, I think there's a lot of learning taken out of this, uh, especially a lot of life lessons learned and how we're going to progress uh, moving forward. Absolutely. Uh, one thing it's taught me is how to make homemade cider. Uh, Harmy, how, how are you? Um, how, how are you coping, Harmy? Uh, at least you can uh, go and buy yourself a beer. Yeah, well, I haven't, to be fair, honest. Believe it or not, I haven't had a beer since the lockdown. I thought I was, honestly, I haven't. I, I thought it would do me the world of good, trying to sort of cleanse the body and get myself back into a, um, you know, some sort of shape. But the, I just can't keep myself out of the fridge at the minute. It is an absolute nightmare. I open the fridge door and, it, and I'm sure it's saying, you know, not you again, Fatty. It's just, honestly, it's, it's madness. But yeah, I agree with Al. I think the, I think the world will be a better place once we come out of it. I think we'll be a stronger place once we come out of it. But also, um, I think that, that you know, the where where we have been, I've spent fortunate to spend time with a family. The only disappointing thing for me is I've got a granddaughter. I'm only seeing really through a window. So there's talk in England at the moment that we there's a relaxing of the lockdown because I think people are taking it in their own hands which is dangerous, I think, a little bit. But I think once we do come out of the lockdown, hopefully on May the 7th in small way, that, look, if yeah, it, don't want to make jokes about what's going on because it's, it's so serious what's happening in the world at the minute. But if they could just open the golf courses and even two and three balls and give me a chance to see my granddaughter, I'd be a very, very happy man. Not going to the pub ever again, to be honest, the way the world is. So that for me... That for me is where I'm at at the minute. I'm, uh, I'm quite enjoying not having a beer. I can understand Freddie. Freddie's been off at five and a half years, believe it or not. And I can understand getting over the first three weeks of wanting to suck me socks and you know, really getting a hold of, a, of an alcoholic drink. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm well happy that you know, I'm, I'm doing the right things. We're, we're keeping safe and, and fingers crossed when we do start relaxing the, you know, the, you know, and we do become... Uh, better people for this because it is so serious what's happening in the world and, and fingers crossed we come out of it everybody fully fit fighting free and um and, and and we can move on with our lives in a positive manner it is it is scary um there's so much to worry about um but i know, I know that the three of us can be the first to admit that uh, we're we're amongst the fortunate i mean uh, you know we've got roof over our head and 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 uh, as you said harmy food in the fridge um, so let, let's rewind and, and go back to the beginning. Um, let's combine the first two questions into one. When did you first know that you were a bit different uh, from, from the other kids, uh, from the, other, the other youngsters? And, and when did you, you realise that you, you could and probably would make a career out of the game? Yeah, I would say when I was about 16, um, I realised that I had a, a, um, a 16, 17 um, that I realized that I had something a bit special. Um, I, the one thing I didn't know, and you only realize that with experience, is how to package it all. Um, and with a little bit of guidance, and, and I think I've only during that time had one coach really in my, in my life, which was my uncle, because he was a, not only was a, a headmaster of a school uh, um, in Bloemfontein, but he also was a, a very good cricket coach. 
And um, so he took me under his wing and, you know, um, sort of guided me through. And then when I, when I sort of got to high school, well, I was in high school by then, but uh, Johan Falstead then really, really sort of showed me the way. He took me further. Um, and the more I bowled, the, I, I, you know, at that particular um, age, I don't think you really pay any attention on technique or uh, you just wanted to get the ball as down there as quickly as you possibly can, bowling these big banana in-swingers with a naughty rest that I grew up with. Um, but I, I just wanted, to, I just loved doing that without knowing and, 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 and without knowing really what is, is, is making this tick. So, um, and that I found out obviously with a, with a great deal of experience playing um, and county cricket, that's where I, I've got to understand myself better, um, how I function, how I tick over, um, what works and what doesn't. Um, so it was a, it's a, it's a hell of a, learn, a nice learning curve. And I think the kids now, they want to, at a young age now, that they, they want to find out immediately what makes them uh, do what they do. And I think they, they are so technical driven, uh, technically driven these days. Um, and their dads know that they've got something special, but everything needs to be spent. I just keep saying, just enjoy yourself what you're doing right now. Just run with it. And then you'll start to figure out what you are really made of. So um, I think when that time really comes, it's, it's, a, it's a great place, as, as Harmi would know. You know, it's a great place to... Uh, to be when it when it all gets together and you're bowling at that that speed that uh, that makes you a real real menace and a threat. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think when, from from my point of view, I think you don't really get that when you feel as though you are not not so much finished article or you've you, you've got something. And I probably found out that I was nearly finished by the time I was closer to being the end than I was at the start. Um, my my upbringing going into the game of cricket was was it was probably one of the reasons why my mind was so much I wasn't obsessed by the game I loved the game but I wasn't obsessed by the game football was me um I'd miss you you'd go and play if you went over and played uh English cricket Ireland you played the, the club scene I'd miss the first five games of the season and miss the last five games of the cricket season because I was playing football all the way up until I was 16 year old and I had my debut for Durham when I was 17 so it was literally, I fell into cricket. I was, Jeff Cook came to watch me um, when, I was, when I was 17. Uh, give me a chance to play second team cricket. I played two second team games and I got thrust into the 96, game, 1996 game against Leicester when Leicester won the championship. And I actually finished the, we started on the, we started on the Thursday, uh, on the Friday. No, starting on the Thursday. It was a three-day game. And it shows you how bad Durham were at the time. I actually played, I played for, for Ashington on the Saturday because we batted first, got bowled out for about 80. Phil Simmons got about 170. Leicester got 500, bowled us out for 120. Game over by lunchtime on Friday. And that's how bad Durham were. So we got a chance, us youngsters, myself, Colleen, uh, Melvin Betts, and Paul Collingwood. So we got the chance to, you know, to basically sink or swim. We weren't at an established county. So that was good for me, but I didn't, I didn't realise until probably I had a whole year out, 97, came back, 98. And at the start of 98, when David Boone got a hold of me, 
we went to Warwickshire first game of the season. I think it was the first time Brian Lara had gone back after you yeah, get 500. That was the first game I'd really played where this was professional cricket. This is now my job. Um, but up until then, it was very much, well, this is something I do when I'm not playing football. And here I am playing professional cricket. So that was, that's why I felt as though it made me, made me good when I had bad days. The best bit of advice I would always give to a youngster is, tomorrow's a different day and you've got a chance to be better. You think about what happened before, you've got no chance of being better. And that's what was so good for me because there were times in my career I bowled some horrendous spells, but tomorrow was always a better day. What moment comes to mind, Harmy, when <laughs> I say think of the, perhaps the first time or the most extreme joy and happiness where you felt you could almost not contain it? That, I mean, it's, it's better than drugs, you know. Um, the, the first time you experienced, not that I know anything about drugs, but, <laughs> but you know, that, the, that moment. It's not necessarily a career highlight, or it could be, but what moment comes first to mind when I say think of when the, you just experienced total happiness? I think, I think so much that was, that was something for me that like I've just mentioned, man, it's cricket happiness was, I loved doing what I did, but I wasn't sort of the, the obsession of, of playing cricket, being on the field for the first time away from home um, in a game against Warwickshire in 98. Here I am, 21-year-old, 20, 20-year-old, 20, 20 something like that. I'm playing as Brian Lara. It was like the last time he played on this ground, he got 500. And it was like... I, like I said before, I'd, I'd gone from the mentality of, so this was completely different to me. This was, com- and that, that for me there was, was happiness. Complete happiness over joy was probably in the Caribbean. That'll do it. Triscothic takes the catch. Harmison becomes the most successful bowler ever at Sabina Park. What a magnificent effort from him. 12 overs and three balls, eight maidens no less. Seven wickets for 12. We took on the West Indies and took the West Indies apart. Um, and it started, probably started from that trip to the West Indies, started England's success over the course from 2004 all the way through to, to sort of winning the Ashes and stuff like that. But I think pure sort of feeling joy of what I'm doing was actually that game against Warwickshire. My first, it was really, it was my second first-class game. First time I'd been away from, from home playing away a, a game of cricket. And at the time, Warwickshire were an established team. Nick Knight opening and about and Brian Lara, the great Brian Lara, who had just broke every record that possibly come. And here I am as a young tearaway, not even owning, I didn't even own a pair of boots. My boots are that bad. It's a great story. I didn't even own a pair of boots. Kenny Palmer, the great umpire, he, had a, he was like looking at me up and down when I took me, I had me long locks of hair, took me jumper off me, looked with me down. It was like, when I look back at it now, it was like when you look at somebody naked and you don't want to look down, but there's Kenny, little Kenny from the West Country, looking down at me boots as to say, what the f- you got on your feet? They were terrible. So I had to get a new pair of boots for the second innings. But that was just a, a great learning curve, but it was also joy of being potentially where I'd come from. I'd come from two years an apprentice bricklayer working in a foundry and that was driving me on not going back on a building site in February and the cold to yeah you know, I'm going to make a success of this and I want to really make a success of this and that's that's the, the first early early recognition and joy of playing cricket still to come on the cricket collective on Talksport 2 Alan Donald explains why facing Steve Harmison made him realize 
the time was right to retire. You hit me on the kneecap, and I, I, I swear I thought it was, it was broken. I tried and leave the next ball, and I just collapsed. I just said, I've had enough of this, I've seen enough. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Got him! That's a whip they need, and Donald does it. With a super delivery, just look at the expression on his face. It's almost one of surprise, but it was pace, I think, that beat him. It raced through the gate, and the off stump out of the ground. Barney! Wow, wow, it's three for 12. It's not necessarily a career highlight, or it could be, but what moment comes first to mind when I say, think of when the, you just experienced total happiness. Well, Harmy, he just said he he he, um, he played against Warwickshire, and I was um, I came in. I remember my, my last season for Warwickshire. We played at uh, at Durham, and uh, strolled to the wicket in a hopeless cause. We were absolutely smoked. Um, um, I think if I'm not correct, uh, if I I'm not sure if I'm correct in this, but in 2000, did you didn't you guys win the champ- championship? Um, no, we won the championship 2008. Oh, okay. I walked in and I, I watched you bowl the whole day. And I was, I'm just wondering and I'm thinking... About 2003, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It was my, it was my last year and I walked to the crease and I saw this guy bounding in beautifully. And I just think, wow, you know, look at this. I'm, I, when I watch bowlers, I'm thinking, geez, this guy's got some rhythm. He is just gliding in. He is as smooth. He can slide uphill backwards. And... Um, and you you hit me on the kneecap, and I I, I swear I thought it was it was broken. I, it was it, I, the, I tried and leave the next ball, and I just collapsed. And uh, <laughs> I thought my kneecap was genuinely that's it, that's gone. Uh, and uh, I, I I just said I've had enough of this. I've seen enough. This guy's ninety <laughs> miles an hour plus. He makes it look stupid easy, and he's just broken my leg. And uh, and was there that was this. Was that I heard about this kid, Steve Armstrong. I played a few games. For, it might be for Worcester. Yeah, I played Worcester, a, yeah. three weeks for Worcester. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So <laughs> that was my worst recollection of you. Anyway, <laughs> I asked you about your. I asked you about your moments of total happiness, Alan, not your moments of complete despair. No, I thought I'd throw that one in there, but the, this young sensation was born. But my, I think my moment of of, uh, of happiness was really. Um, if I can call it a moment, I would say a season that I was just 95 season of Warwickshire uh, for me was the best um, that I've experienced team wise. Uh, the, mo- the most success I've, ex- uh, I've ever experienced with one team. Now and Donald wrapping up the game to finish with four for 43, bringing his wicket tally to 89 for the season, his best ever for Warwickshire. I would say that that was definitely my best season. Um, most success, I was motivated, incredibly motivated, because I knew it was my last go at it until Lara takes over as the new overseas prof- uh, professional. So, um, but yeah, mate, um, I, I, I think 95 for me was, the, I would say, was my, well, um, most comprehensive season and contribution to one team that I've experienced uh, in my career. 
That's great if your moment of happiness lasts five months, isn't it? That's, a, <laughs> that, that's, pretty, that's pretty good. You take that as a result. There's an assumption that most people who play the game, well, actually, there's an assumption from people who don't play the game, who watch it and support it, that everybody who plays it and, and works within the game is in complete, unconditional love with it. But cricket doesn't work like that, does it? Um, you are destined statistically to have more bad days than good days. But, but were, were there any times where you fell out of love with it enough to contemplate quitting before you actually did give it away? Yeah, 99. Who's on strike? There it is. They go for this. will be our choy. Ah, it's out. It's going to be one out. Oh, that's it. South Africa out. Donald didn't run. I cannot believe it. Australia go into the World Cup final. I thought this, this game wasn't for me and results wasn't coming my way. And, and uh, I genuinely, I, I, there was a few things I had to consider uh, after that incident. For me, was it was a strangely... Or shall I not say, say strangely, but a, a very, very difficult time to get over what I went through. I, I don't think anyone, you know, you see, you see Baggio in the 90, was it the 99 or the 90, 1990 World Cup or 91 World Cup where he missed that penalty? And you think, you know, that's like missing a penalty. So uh, the disgust that goes with all that stuff and, and, and rebuilding yourself as a cricketer. And gaining the confidence back, and the and the from from fans of what's just happened to yourself, and how you're gonna you know how you're gonna win those people over. Um, so it was a, I think luckily for me, I spent '99 in England playing for Warwickshire and Bob Woolmer, and I, I, I you know spent some a really quality time with people who were good in that in in, a, in that. Ex, in their expertise and trying to get me back mentally where I should, you know, where I, where I, it took me about six months, seven months or so to, to get over that thing. But uh, yeah, I, I genuinely, there was a, it was a struggle time. It's very, very much a struggle time for me. You had some downs as well, Harmy. Yeah, I think, I think six hours still on the field at Brisbane after the first ball over there. That was a time <laughs> where I, I could have done my walking, walking off. First ball, the first test match. Whoa, wide delivery, taking a slip by the skipper. The nerves are showing already. I don't even think officially the game had started in the, and I wanted to go on before the Ashes trip. So I think it was I think it was a minute to 11 when the first ball was bowled. So come 11 o'clock, I think I was uh, I was wanting to leave the Ashes before it started. Um, but no, it's, there was times, look, like I said before, man, it's, you, you, my obsession with the game wasn't there. I loved the game. I loved playing the game. I loved talking about the game now and commentating on the game. But I think because of that, I was good at, at, at having you know disappointments like what, or, you know, embarrassments like what, what we had in in, uh, in in Brisbane. But I think if uh, there was a time where I was going to retire, I should have retired in two thousand nine, when I walked off at the at the Oval, finished in the Ashes. Freddie's retired. I should have retired then. It was the one, and it's the it's the only time I ever felt as I was playing cricket for money. And that sounds it sounds crazy. It's the only time where I felt as though I'm actually playing now for to to provide for my family because I knew when I was playing cricket for England, everything was rosy. It looks after itself, and I'd say this to any young kid: don't be driven by money. The the riches in the game are there. Be driven by getting better. The better you get, the more money you'll make. And when I left the game in 2009, that period going back into the game. 
I felt as though I'd love, the lost the love of the game. And I, I, I had a three-year contract with Durham, four-year contract with Durham. And I think the last, the last couple of years took its toll and, and showed that uh, I should have retired in 2009 because I'd have, I'd have finished the game better. I'd have been more thought of, more thought of myself. But it was the only time, it was the only time I really felt as I was playing for financial, for my family. Before that, you could, look, body hurt. The only time you feel comfortable about, about, about bowling is in pre-season. After that, you know, there's something hurts when, you, when you're a fast bowler. Um, but during that sort of three-year period, everything hurt in a down and down and downward spiral from that. It uh, really took its toll on me and I resented the game. And when I did eventually finish, I resented playing cricket. I resented going to Durham every morning and playing. And it was, it was a chore. It was hard work. So for me, that was the only time. That was the time when you look back and think, right, I, I should have retired then. But before that, no. I, I love playing the game. I love playing the game. I just... It was just one of them. It's just one of them things where you think, oh, should I, shouldn't I? And that was the only time really I thought about retiring. The Brisbane ball, it was embarrassing. Yes, it was embarrassing. But fortunately, I had six hours to, to go through. I bowled another 15 overs that day. Um, and it showed you how bad England were. Not how bad yeah, England were at the time. That I had to play every single day of a five match series after bowling that ball. So that I always felt as a test of character. My character was never ever in question because it was always it was always there after what happened there. That was the mental strength of it. So, but thinking of a time to retire, I probably would have been two thousand and nine. But after that, other than that, no, I love playing the game. Does that ring a bell with you, Alan? You um, you played effectively. You played nineteen or twenty consecutive seasons when you were playing for for Warwickshire and then back in South Africa. Um, it wasn't a surprise that your body finally um, <laughs> said enough, Alan. Stop treating me like this. But did you did you get to the point where the pain wasn't worth it? You you sort of woke up and thought, this is this is killing me. I, I need to give this away. Yeah. Did you ever, did you ever play yeah. for money? No, I would look. Money is always there, and and it's fantastic that you. This is your job, and and for me, it was doing my job well. Uh, I just I w- I was just driven by not letting people down. Um, I, 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 you know, whether I was working for Warwickshire, playing for Free State, or for South Africa, it's just I was I was just internally driven by by competing and trying to be the best I can be on the day. So I wasn't a, a I wasn't a big goal setter, um, a long term goal setter for me. It was day to day business, but I just wanted to be I just wanted to scrap as hard as I possibly could. So, but. Come 2005, when when Corey Fonseca wanted to play, wanted me to play one more season, I remember going on a 3K time trial with a team. I came up that long road at the back of the stadium of, in Bloemfontein, and I just thought, that's it, that's me, I'm done. Um, I literally just walked up, and Buta Dipinar came running down. He said, "Come on then," and when he said to me, "Come on then, old man," I thought, you know, <laughs> oh, that's probably my cue right now. That is absolutely my cue. I walked straight to Corey Fonsell's office and I said, um, boss, I'm done. I, I've, I've had enough. You know, and also you've lost your sting. You've lost a little bit of pace. And you just feel that those things, when, when they go, it's, it, it makes you ineffective and, and I just can't deliver that. I, I just can't not deliver the ball, but I just can't produce the, the kind of quality bowling that I've done for such a long time. And so. Um, 
I was very, very relieved. You know, I got home after training and I just said to my wife, that's it. I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's all over. I can relax now. And I was very, I must say, it is such a good feeling knowing that I can, you can walk away from it by not people questioning you, by not people saying you're not, you're not bowling as quickly, you're not as quick as you are, you're not really that much of a threat anymore. So I was quite happy. I, was, I knew I left it right there in, the, in, in, in a good place and I can walk away having held my head quite high. Coming up next on the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2, Steve Harmison tells us why the 2005 Ashes Test at Old Trafford was something he'd never experienced before or since. We thought it was a bomb scare. Me and Gerrard was a bomb scare. We get into the ground and as you go upstairs in the change room, you look out in the parking lot. The ground's full. 20-odd thousand people inside the ground at like 9.15 waiting to watch you play five-a-side football. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with the Institute of Cricket. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. for Stephen Harmison, very well deserved, well bowled, Australia in big trouble, all out 190, Stephen Harmison take a bow. Oh, Stephen Harmison with a slower ball, one of the great balls. I'm not sure if either of you have a DVD collection and uh, occasionally you put on highlights of yourselves or your teams winning games. Um, but but if you know even if you're if you if you just happen to see a highlights reel of Harmy the 2005 Ashes I suppose um, uh, 
or, or Alan, any number of um, times when when you were winning games, do you still get goosebumps? Do you still um, do, you, do you still sort of linger a little bit and just uh, just watch it for a few minutes? Do you do you still get that buzz from watching I, watching? I sometimes think is that is that really me? I don't know about Al, but I just think, is that really me? At the minute, I look at thinking, Christ almighty, I've eaten him. <laughs> it's mass, you know, the size I'm at compared to what, to what he is on that TV. There has been a couple of times, there was, a, there was an embarrassing moment, I must admit. I, I don't watch too much. At the minute of it's on, you watch, there's, there's quite a bit on because obviously we're locked down and the reruns of it. It's quite an embarrassing moment that I, I managed, I managed if I went into football management, I managed Ashington. We played a game against Newton Aircliffe away, and Newton Aircliffe is like a it's a um, is a it's a sports club. So the football grounds right next to the cricket pitch and the rugby pitch, and the bar itself is a is a sports club. So after the game, we've gone into the in the you know in the middle of the in the middle of the winter, gone into the um, gone into the bar, and I was expecting people like looking at me and pointing at me, and I can hear the whispers because I knew it was a, a cricket club. And then when I turned around, there it was on the big screen, the 2005 Ashes was getting replayed. I got embarrassed. I quickly had me quick drink and I, I did one. I was at the back door. I, got re- I, get, I get quite embarrassed when, when it's on, but I sometimes do look and think, did I really play in that? Did I? Was that? Because sometimes I just, you, 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 I don't know if you forget or, or what, or you don't want to remember, but you know, I, 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 try not, I try not to watch too much, but sometimes you can't avoid it. There it is. Um, but it was it was great times. You know, you talked about the Ashes in 2005. You know, it, it is such a special feeling, and to be an Englishman playing in in that series is 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 something to something to cherish. And there's only and it's hard to put your finger on. It's hard to put into words what it's like to play in that series um, when other fantastic players around the world, Alan Donald especially, have ne- wouldn't you know what what it's like to play in that in that ashes battle so um i'm fortunate i am an englishman fortunate from an australian point of view you can do battle in the ashes um but you know when you when you're successful it's it's so so rewarding especially when you you're fat you're old and you're sitting on a t- uh, sitting on a big fat chair with your with your beer and you you're watching italian you see you beat the australians again it is, uh, it is a special feeling. England have regained the ashes at the Oval September the 12th, 2005. The match here is drawn. Let the celebrations begin. Al, did you um, ever watch the ashes? I, I guess particularly 2005. Um, but, but, you know, the great ashes contests, full, packed stadiums. And, you know, with a sense of envy, like, like the rest of the world's golfers look at the Ryder Cup and think, I want to play in that, but they can't. But, mm. but and many of our listeners might not be aware of this, but, I mean, you, you might even have looked at the Ashes and, and thought, you might even have looked at Harmy and thought, that could have been me, because there was a moment, yeah. a brief moment in time, where you, you could have ended up playing for England. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um... I chatted to Anna Lamb, uh, Robin Smith, and, and Chris Smith um, cornered me, and and they all said to me, "I've actually got some some advice from um, Norman Gifford when I played with him uh, at the start at '87, um, and also Andy Lloyd and Gladstone Small. They said, listen, you know, why don't you consider it? You know, you, you become English, uh, qualify, might take you a while.'" 
and then um, you can definitely, uh, if you want to play international cricket, because there was so much unsurety about where South Africa was going at that point. So I think as a youngster, you, you sort of quite gullible to um, to go. Oh, that sounds that sounds. You know, these guys are actually asking me. <laughs> you know, you could be playing for England if you if you if you committed. And I and I seriously seriously um, uh, gave it a, a, a um, gave it some thought until Dr. Bacher obviously put a stop to that, and he guaranteed myself and um, um, and a few others saying, listen, in 1991, South Africa will be back in international sport, never mind cricket. And I got very excited by, uh, extre- extremely excited by that. So yeah, um, I, 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 I have to say that is the best TV viewing you'll ever see is the Ashes. Oh, I have never experienced a test crowd in the intensity of a test crowd like that in my life. Now you, you've played in India and you've heard the noises there constantly. Just but from a test match perspective, and Edge Baston has dished up those, those kind of hair-raising moments. Or, you know, whether it's test matches or one day as a World Cups, it doesn't matter. But I, I just I, I, I can't not watch the Ashes. The Ashes is just something. It's aggressive. It's it's high intensity octane cricket. It's um, it's very much in your face cricket. In, in England and Australia, don't take a backward step. They just go hammer and tong. Um, and I love it. I love the confrontations. You know, it's just never a dull moment. And I think you guys are so lucky to be involved in such a prestigious thing that's been going on for so many many years. Um, but watching it is just getting better and better. You know, so bring on the next one. I agree, and I think playing it, playing in it is. You, it doesn't matter what team goes into how well they're playing. It's like it's like a local. It is like a local derby at a football match. You, know, you you could be bottom of the league against top of the league. It goes out the window when you come to play to play Australia and England. Have finally gone back to playing first game at Edgebaston as opposed to playing second game at Edgebaston. First game was always at Lords where we always got beat, and I think because of you know, wanting to look after home advantage and the old school tie brigade changing their ways, finally, to getting us in the best position to win the Ashes um, in England. I think we are now we see in England have a, have a better chance. But you know, to play against the likes of McGrath, that, 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 that first one you talked earlier, Manners, about when you have a sense of enjoyment and sense of feeling. My second test match was in, in, at the Adelaide Oval in when you when you try and you get you get a a sports psychologist here that you visualize about your playing and who you play against and you're thinking right I'm probably going to come on first change after Hoggard and Caddick if if Hoggy's playing or Tudor and, and Caddick whoever's going to play and you you've got Hayden Langer and then Ponting comes in you're thinking right we might be if they're one down two down I might get a go at Martin but then Steve Wall comes in and then Adam Gilchrist comes in I've missed one out of, and then, and then all of a sudden, they just keep coming at you. The names now: Wall, McGrath, Gillespie. It was a, and that was for me from a fast bowler's point of view. When I left there, after four Test matches out of five played, I came away from Australia thinking, right, I've got a chance in this game because I've just played against the best team arguably of all time. It didn't do too badly as a youngster. I've held me on, but I played a hundred. There was a hundred thousand at Melbourne. There was there was you know there was fifty thousand at Sydney. I can play anywhere. 
I can play anywhere against anybody on any given day now. I've just done that and bring it on. And that, for me, gave me so much confidence. And Al, you, you know, and your coaching role now, you'll know more than you were when you were a bowler. But confidence is huge to a youngster or to anybody, that's, especially as a bowler, playing a game of cricket. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, that series, that 2005 series, that was nuts. I mean, there was some serious balls bowled in that, in that, in that series. My word. That is very good. The swing works. The Oracle again. Oh, brilliant stuff. Absolutely brilliant stuff. Kastovic expecting the ball to be short again. The full swing delivery, leaving the right hand up. And smashing into middle and off. I think the, the one test match that stands out as well as the one in, at, at Old Trafford. Oh, wow. And the ball was reversing. And Jones and yourself and um, I don't know who the other one was. Uh, Hart, uh, uh, Flintoff, yeah, wow. It was special. It really was. And beating that Aussie side, in that, uh, man, that was a power, powerful, powerful. Um, you know, that was a self-sustainable team. You know, you often talk about how do you get a team to become a self-sustainable team. You just look at leadership all the way down. Experience. Everyone in that, in that whole team played more than 50, 60 test matches plus. And um, that team ran itself. But, wow, it was an awesome... Just the way you guys took them on head-to-head was fantastic. Funny how the one guy hardly you, you gets mentioned. Sorry, sorry, man. I'm saying you mentioned that Old Trafford one. There was 10,000 people on a Monday got locked out of the stadium. Me and Garant Jones drove a whole mile. We were waiting. So, Maz Busby, we were on your way down towards Old Trafford. We had to wait till the lights turned red to go down the wrong side of the road to get to the front of the traffic lights, to nip through to get there because it was like, Fletcher's going to kill me again because I'm late again for warm ups. And I was like, as we got close to the ground, you're going, oh, a bomb scare. We thought it was a bomb scare. Me and Garant was a bomb scare. I've gone flying by Trez on the inside, who was staying in the traffic lights. So I'm ringing him up and thinking, it's about the, something must be a matter. There's a fire alarm or a bomb scare. We get into the ground, and as you go upstairs in the change room, you look out on the balcony, the ground's full. 20-odd thousand people inside the ground at like 9.15 waiting to watch you play five-a-side football. The, the, whole ashes, <laughs> the whole ashes was just was phenomenal. And you know, the, you, you're right, the edge bastard, that morning at Edgebaston, it was a two-hour morning. That's all it was going to be. England needed two wickets. Australia, 107 runs. Never going to get it, in theory. We were, we were expecting to be on Broad Street at about 20 past 11 in a walkabout bar, singing <laughs> what all, where, where's your Australia gone? To all of a sudden being at quarter past 12. Freddie was bowling at one end. Brett Lee, the champion that he is, was taking him up on his body and taking him everywhere. And we managed to just get over the line. Because I still, to this day, say, there's no, there's, it was 5-0. If England lost that test match, that was 5-0. There was no way. After McGrath, what McGrath, when McGrath stood on, you know, the, the, the famous joke, when McGrath stood on the ball at quarter, quarter, to, uh, quarter to 10, you know, you, you don't want to see, when professional sportsmen say they don't want to see a professional get injured, well, for me, that's nonsense because when Big Glenn stood on that ball, there was, there was 10 Englishmen and a South African doing cartwheels about 45, minute, 45 yards away when he left. If we had getting beat there with McGrath coming back, 
we would have lost 5-0. So it just the Ashes was so special to be involved in. Coming up next on the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2, Alan Donald reveals the biggest regret of his career. We were losing the game and I did something, <clears throat> I did something that I would never even think about because that's not me. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Sure, he's got it five for Pollock. That's a beautiful spell of bowling. Here he's squared up, and young Sean Pollock deserves that five. He's been magnificent. Yeah! He's got it. Matthew Hobart's got a hat trick. England in the ascendant yet again. What a magic moment for Matthew Hobart. Ryan Hines has to go. When you were terrorising batsmen and you just weren't nicking them off, who, who used to come on and pinch your wickets? And alternatively, who, who did you enjoy having at the, at the other end because you knew that they were going to contribute to you taking some? Well, for me, um, the partnership between me and Sean Pollock was, was um, just magnificent because you know that this guy at the other end, he was our Glenn McGrath, close to the stumps, just lock you down, lock you in. You're not going anywhere. He's just maidens, dot balls. He just suffocates you there all day long and you can just go and do your thing at the other end. And uh, we, all, we all know and understand bowling partnerships. And uh, you, might be, you might be bowling as well as you, uh, as you have. And I, I think against Australia and Port Elizabeth in 98, uh, early 98, I think it was, 97, 98. In, in, I, I, it's probably the best I've bowled for a long time. And just walked away with one pole, you know, and, um, but you tell, you tell youngsters now and they complain about, you know, they're not in the wickets columns and, and they forget about the job, the the job that you do for the team. You know, they, they they just lose sight of the potential job that they have done for the team today. The the game had gone nowhere because you've just piled on the pressure and the agony. Um, And then, then comes that guy who just gets five for nothing. um, Who's just, has been riding in your glory all day long. And he's just gone. Um, Hansi Cronier was one of those. He had that knack of just pitching up and gone nick off uh, um, um, Sachin Tendulkar. You know, a, lot, a wide, long haul volley. And you've just burnt your guts <laughs> for like a session and a half. And he just wallops him out with these little wobblies. And uh, and uh, the other one was, was Lance Klusner, I think. A very opportunistic guy. I mean, he, he had the knack of changing a game. Uh, from nowhere, um, you know, he with the ball. You know, he was he was, he was bowled a heavy ball, um, and on even on flat decks, just ran in hard and hit the, the pitch and the bat hard. And he would all of a sudden open up and end, and all of a sudden run with it. He got eight for in, in Calcutta, you know, um, way back. So, but we all understand that you know we we we're as one bowling unit, and it can be anybody's day, not just your main strike bowlers. You know, those partnerships are so vital, and that's where. I think that what's that is what makes great bowling attacks very special. Hold in! That's the line from Hoggard. Perfect delivery, swinging in, and it's too good for Matthew Hayden. Finally, Hoggard gets it right. Hoggard for me was, you know, the he was my opening bowling partner, a bit like Ali. He had, he had Sean Pollock. We, we're probably as complete as you'll get as a as an opening bowling partnership. Hoggy swing it. Hoggy had the ability to swing it both ways from a. You know, a good strong wrist. Um, he bowled all day, 
and he'd run in and run in and he he was the ultimate team man where you know he, he under we, we we had this understanding that you could if one was if one was looking effective i.e. if he was swinging it and he was troubling people on the front foot in and around that the the front pad outside edge then i'd just bowl bouncers not bothered I'm not bothered. I'll bowl bouncers and get let Hoggy get it up, get it up there and give it a chance. Because if it's not swinging, I know for a fact Hoggy's going to put it a foot outside off stump and he's going to make make sure he does that. That batsman doesn't get down the other end. They can't rotate the strike, and I and I'm going to have it. And he was, I think, I think if you if if I'll correct me right here, I think Durham in South Africa played Durham in '99. I think in in that series and I remember Corey Fansal and Hansi came into Durham dressing room to David Boone asking if I would be interested in going over to be Free State's overseas player that 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 summer um, and you know, I talked about it with a family and, and and in the end it got taken out of my hands because I got picked up for an, for an ear tour but Huggy went and Huggy went for three years and I've always I was always envious of Huggy because he came over and he lived with Al for you know Alan Donald my hero Lived with him for a, for a year and a bit, and Huggy was Huggy's an interesting character, brilliant character. Sometimes you don't even know what's going on inside of his head. A very intelligent <laughs> man. He's, yeah. he, his knowledge is good, but he's he's probably more free state than free state than than than, than anything else. He is an absolute beauty as a person, but when you catch him in one of his moods, boy, he's uh, he's hard work. But that's what made Hoggard brilliant. Yeah, his work ethic was fantastic. His ability to understand situations, and I think because of that, he was—he just let me bowl. My ability to just run up. I mentioned in an email a few days ago, Manners talking about technology. Honestly, telling me to bowl fast and bowl as fast as I can was the simplest thing in the world for me to do, and that was the only thing I understood. So he would work around that. And so Huggy was that. Jalo was, was so important to that team. And you mentioned the Old Trafford game. The ball he got Damian Martin out at Old Trafford was every bit as good as Warns against, against Gatton. Yeah! What a good ball. Anytime you see a spin bowler persuade a batsman to cover his stumps with what seems the perfect defensive delivery and then there's a crash of ash you know you've seen something special eat your heart out Shane Warne that was an absolute beauty you know and it never gets shown never gets shown he was huge for that team and who pinches the wickets mm, I don't believe anybody pinches wickets I think that the one thing you'll see as your career goes on as a fast bowler the quicker we get off this pitch, the better. So whoever gets the 10 wickets, let's get off and work as a unit. And I think that was what was good about the England team at the time. Not many of us got fifers. If you, if, if you go through that whole sort of two, three-year period, there wasn't a period of time where fifers were, were coming regular to any individual. It was twos and threes and fours. For me, that showed you what a fantastic unit it was. Al, um, I won't ask you what Matthew Hoggard was like as a house guest unless you, <laughs> unless you want to uh, answer that, that question. I, I was going to ask you, actually, um, did you ever, not including when you were a youngster, when you were still, but as a, as a senior established cricketer, did you ever lose it? Did you ever lose it on the field? Not in a controlled way, like when you had that, that spell against Michael Atherton at Trent Bridge in 98. That was just 
cold-blooded assassin. You kind of lost it in a controlled way. But did you ever, <laughs> did you ever lose it in a completely uncontrolled way? And also, did you ever have a batsman on toast to such an extent that you felt sorry for him? <laughs> Never. I can tell you that right now because uh, you couldn't care less who's who. You know, uh, um, your job is to roll him over no matter what. So um, I, I must say, I, I, I didn't really feel sorry for anyone. Um, that I think most fast bowlers will tell you. Um, but um, in terms of um, your question, yeah, yeah, I did. I did. Um, but uh, it was unfortunately uh, a scenario in Durban where we played against India. And um, I, I behaved um, in, a, in a rather uh, poorly manner. Um, which I won't, which, which those are people who heard it on stump mic when I was very close and inc incredible, almost almost standing on the stumps, t chatting to, uh, screaming at uh, at Raul Dravid um, because uh, we were losing the game. We were losing the game, and I did something. <clears throat> I did something that I would never even think about because that's not me. That's not in my manners. It's not in my makeup to go. But I, I called Hansi over and I said to him, look. He just hit me straight back over my head for six. And Tendulkar and Dravid were absolutely flying. And um, we were losing the game comfortably. I called him over. I said, listen, I'm gonna, whatever happens here, I'm going to bump him. And I'm going to get absolutely stuck into him. I'm going to cross the line here, which I've never done before. But I want you to back me up. He goes, I'm in. I'm in. So I bowled him a bouncer. And I could... I could just, I thought I heard something. I thought, I genuinely thought I heard a little blub or a, or a, or a little nick. And it just, that, that was it. And I was in his ear. And I told him, I know in certain terms that, uh, you know, <laughs> what was going to happen next. And it was, it was awful. It was. And, I, you know, I've, I've never lost it so badly on a cricket field. But I signed up for it because I wanted to see what was in Dravid and what, how he was going to respond and how his batting partner at the other end was going to respond. And it was a, it was words going around and Cronier was into it, Klusner was into it. And, and even Polly to a certain extent was, was, was up there giving it out. And, and three overs later, we got both of them out. Um, you know, so I wouldn't say this because of my actions, but if I ever had to be, you know, I, I went up to Rahul after the game and, and he refused to shake my hand and I, I get it. Uh, but we made up for it in the years down the line. Um, but in that moment, I, 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 I sort of feel ashamed of what I did because that is not me. It's not in my character. I, I, did, I wasn't a person who said a lot. Um, and uh, I just wanted to be, if I, if I followed through, all I wanted to do was own that space, but own that space within my body language. So a look or a stare, and that was it. The Atherton thing, we all know what happened there. And, and uh um, and I didn't speak to him in Afrikaans either. I just want to make that very clear. My thanks to both Alan Donald and Steve Harmison for the last hour. But fear not, there's more. Coming up on next week's Cricket Collective will be the second half of this most enjoyable interview. If you missed any of the show or wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, available on Apple Podcast, Acast and Spotify. Thanks for listening.
The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 